Grab some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Well, howdy, 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 friends. My name's Jeff Hunt. Welcome back to another week of the Frontier Freedom Hour hosted by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. We're gonna continue this week to highlight some of the great speeches from the 2022 Western Conservative Summit. If you're not familiar with the Western Conservative Summit, it's one of the largest annual gatherings of conservatives in the Western United States. Some of the brightest minds in the conservative movement all come to Denver, Colorado to interact, to speak. It really is a wonderful gathering and an opportunity for us to get together. And we're going to highlight some of those speeches again this week. One of the first speeches up is from Carrie Severino of the Judicial Crisis Network. If you want to know how conservatives have been able to change the federal judiciary, including the U.S. Supreme Court, well, it's because of the leadership of people like Carrie Severino and the Judicial Crisis Network. They have helped the courts to get reorganized around the idea of the original intent of the Constitution and being guided by what the Constitution says. So, friends, you're in for a real treat. Our first speaker up this week is Carrie Severino, the president of the Judicial Crisis Network. Hello. Well, I am so excited because I feel like this term, every time I'm here talking about the court, I am the bearer of good tidings. Obviously, um, you, uh, we, there's been a lot of news in the court this year. Uh, we have some turnover on the court. That, that probably isn't good, uh, good tidings. That's going from uh, Justice Breyer, who is a reliable liberal vote, but at least a kind of moderate one, to uh, soon-to-be Justice Jackson, who I think will be a knee-jerk uh, vote for the left every single time. Um, however, when you look at what's going on in the court this year, the other big news, of course, is this leak. Now, again, there's parts of this that are bad news. It's really bad news. We have people working within the Supreme Court who can't be trusted to be professionals and not leak confidential information. Uh, when I clerked at the court, you couldn't leave the building with any piece of paper like that decision that got leaked. It would have been outrageous to even have a leak of the, the vote lineup in a case the day before it came out, let alone an entire opinion months before. But I'll tell you the really exciting news. The opinion that we saw leaked last month shows that we have a majority of the court that actually are committed to enforcing the Constitution as it is written, including in one of the most high-profile and longest-fought issues in this country, Roe versus Wade. That is an incredible accomplishment. And for all of you who have been active, whether it's in the pro-life movement or particularly within tr the movement of trying to get justices on the court who are going to be faithful to the Constitution, I want to say thank you because this is a term that we are seeing so much fruit coming from those efforts. Uh, I clerked for Justice Thomas. It's his 30th year on the court. And when you look at the contrast between his first term on the court and that, incidentally, was the term that Planned Parenthood versus Casey was decided. That was the case that walked right up to overturning Roe and then blinked. And then actually reignited Roe, rewrote that, you know, Roe itself rewrote the Constitution. Casey then rewrote Roe versus Wade's rewriting of the Constitution. It was an, an example of judicial activism at its finest. To this term, 30 years later, 
when on so many issues, Justice Thomas has gone from being the lone dissenter or close to alone with Justice Scalia alone by his side, and now we have a majority of votes in the Supreme Court on so many issues. So that's gonna be issues like abortion, but also uh, the defense of the Second Amendment. Get ready for a major Second Amendment case that I think is gonna go really well coming down, dealing with New York gun laws. Get ready for some great decisions in the religious freedom area. We're gonna hear from Coach Kennedy next. I, I keep on wanting to call him Coach K because I went to Duke, but but for Co Coach, <laughs> so go Duke. But, but, we have great news coming in that. There's another religious freedom case coming out called Carson versus Macon, which also looks like it's gonna go well. It has to do with Maine that had a voucher program that they wanted to just exclude religious schools from. You could, get, you could use your voucher for any school in the state, public or private, as long as it wasn't religious. And, and it was even worse than that. It, it could be a church-affiliated school, but they couldn't actually be teaching religion. So it, it's, it's pretty egregious what people try to get past the court, and now we finally have a court that's willing to function as that constitutional backstop to make sure that the shenanigans that are happening, whether it's the Biden administration trying to weaponize the courts to get, its, get, get to do its work, uh, you know, on the eviction moratorium, on vaccine mandates, et cetera, or whether it's the states trying to do that in the case of Maine, we have a court that's operating as that, as that backstop. I do want to talk a little bit in particular about Dobbs, because I think that's the case everyone is watching the most this year. First of all, I mentioned a little bit, what happened with this leak? This is an outrageous um, violation of norms at the Supreme Court. I'm excited to see that, though it has taken four weeks, and I'm not sure exactly why, Chief Justice Roberts is starting to uh, put the screws on the clerks. And we all think this is probably a clerk and probably a clerk from one of the liberal justices that leaked this opinion, right? And we've, we've heard that now he is asking clerks for their cell phone records, asking clerks to sign affidavits to say that they didn't have anything to do with this, um, this leak. And that's really good news. The person who who perpetrated this leak needs to be called out, needs to be punished, because what we have seen, and I, I, have, I have six kids at home, if, and, I, and so this is what I've learned from raising a lot of toddlers in my time. If you don't, if, you, if, if bad behavior is rewarded, you're just gonna get more bad behavior. And what we have seen with the court in so many ways is bad behavior has been rewarded. People on the left trying to weaponize the court to get their goals achieved has been rewarded. People trying to intimidate the court and let, let's be clear, that's what this leak is about. It's not, it, it was clearly about trying to stop the court from doing the historic work of setting the Constitution right when it comes to abortion. That's uh, what they were trying to prevent. They were trying to trigger what we've been seeing now. People shouting at the houses of Supreme Court justices. People picketing, you know, as these people's kids are coming home from school, they have to walk a picket line, you know, to, while, while uh, people are shouting lewd and, and, and horrible things through these, uh, these private neighborhoods of the justices. The implicit threat, even against their own safety, uh, that's going on here uh, against the justices. That is what the goal of this leak was. And it's part of a pattern of intimidation we've seen against the court. From, from the leaks, we've seen it from attacks uh, in the press, we've seen it from attacks from even our senators. Senator Schumer, who remember a couple years ago, the last time the court talked about abortion, stood on the steps of the Supreme Court building, shaking his fists at the justices, pointing at them saying, I'm talking to you, Kavanaugh, I'm talking to you, Gorsuch, if you, go through with this decision, he thought they might be doing something, you know, to, to roll back Roe versus Wade a few terms ago. He said, you won't know what's hit, what's hit you. And now they're trying to bring that to pass. 
even seeing some of the, uh, the types of intimidation that's happening with the threats of court packing. Believe me, that's, that is a threat against the court because everyone on the court, everyone in Congress really as well, knows how dangerous that would be for our Supreme Court to have it turned into even more of a political football where every time the shift of power in, in D.C. changed, you might add more justices. This year it's going to be 12, 9 to 13, and then we get 15, and then we get 21. Eventually you're going to have to build you know, annexes onto the building to fit all the justices. That would be horrible for the court, and that's what they're threatening if the court doesn't rule the way they want. We have one senator, Senator Whitehouse, who filed a brief in a case a couple years ago, effectively saying that if you don't rule my way, we're going to pack the court. And that's the, the threat that's always being held out against them. So where are we on some of these major decisions? There's 33 decisions left and only the month of June to go. That means the court, if they're going to get these all out, they're going to have, have to have a couple decisions coming out every day starting next week. And we know there's going to be decisions coming down on Monday. It's going to be a wild and crazy ride. We're going to have a lot of people saying fake things about what this court has done and fear-mongering about it. Don't, don't listen and don't believe it. If we, if, if we have an opinion coming out the way that Justice Alito's draft said, which is what I, I, I still think is the most likely uh, thing that happens. I don't think you're going to see the justices fold under pressure precisely because you know, they know, they've had toddlers too. They know you can't give in to this kind of thing. Um, then we're going to see a lot of people saying things like, this is going to prohibit abortion around the country. It's not. This is going to mean that we undo Brown versus Board of Education. That's ludicrous. This is going to mean that Loving versus Virginia and anti-miscegenation laws are now back on the books. That's completely ludicrous. You know, so there's a lot of, of threats that are going to happen. We need to make sure we're clear-headed in talking about what this decision actually does. Those of you who are involved in the pro-life movement need to make sure that we now realize the focus is going to have to be on protecting them both, protecting women and children, providing options, providing a safety net, and then taking that fight back where it really belonged this whole time, which is in the legislatures. The state legislatures, the federal legislature are all going to have a lot of issues to deal with surrounding abortion if the court determines, as as the Constitution requires, that this is not something that's dealt with in the Constitution. Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be pro-life laws all the way down. We're going to have some states like Texas and Georgia. We're going to have some states like California and New York. So it's going to be a wide range. Uh, but this is the opportunity to talk to people, change hearts and minds, and that's ultimately the way our legislation is going to get changed. There are going to be really important issues coming up dealing with uh, mail order abortions that I think the, probably the federal government's going to have to even address uh, because there's shifts to that. In trafficking in women, people are saying Colorado itself is going to become this you know, abortion tourism uh, destination location. I think we need to really think about, you know, is this, is this something, the legacy we want for our state and how can we uh, work on those issues? We're going to have to look at state courts. You know, the Roe versus Wade was a big, a big national decision that took it out of the American people's hands. Every state court has the potential to have a mini Roe and to read into their state constitution words that are not there. We know some states have already started doing that, like Kansas recently. So uh, that's, it's, it's time to focus on making sure we have state judges that are just as committed to the constitution as our Supreme Court uh, state justices are. But I'm, I'm excited to say that there is a lot of hope. We have a, a justices this term that have, I think we're going to see a lot of great cases out of. Next term, we're going to have really significant issues coming out, including Har uh, a case that involves Harvard and whether racial preferences in education should be allowed. Spoiler alert, they shouldn't. Um, and a, a case dealing uh, kind of along the lines of the Masterpiece Cake Shop, dealing with whether an individual who designs websites can be forced to use their design authority and, and, their, and their creative design power to uh, design websites that violate their, their religious beliefs and their strongly held beliefs. So so 
keep watching. I think there's a lot to be excited about, and I want to thank you all for what you've done to help make sure we have judges faithful to the Constitution. Keep up the good work.